millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, this is History Spaces, and I'm Jerry Anderson, your host. And uh, say hello to Jeff Messerman, who's always here with me. Hi, Jeff. Good morning. Halloween edition here. Uh, it won't be Halloween when you're listening to it, but it's Halloween when we record it. And uh, we got quite the trick this morning, didn't we? Yes, I'm looking out <laughs> our expansive window into the uh, bleak winter landscape. <laughs> Christmas? Halloween? I don't know. what the, no. Whatever this is. <laughs> We're recording on Halloween. Uh Go back on SoundCloud. We have a, uh, let's see, an episode about witches. Oh, that's yeah. Back, we, that's uh, out there. So if anyone wants to we were, uh, listen we, to that. We burned a few last year, didn't we? Yes, we did. <laughs> so, I think we're about a year and a half into this. My gosh. No, more than that. Oh, more than that. No, no. Year, we, we, eight months, eight or nine months. Wow, coming plus, up on a two-year anniversary this in thing. In February. That is remarkable. Yeah. Very nice. We'll have to celebrate. Absolutely. Well, hopefully today, I don't know if you intend to uh, scare the knickers off of us, uh, being Halloween. Uh, <laughs> no, not Halloween related all right. at all. But anyway, you know, cultural literacy is a really important thing. You know, for example, with the Bible, if you believe it's literally or figuratively, whatever, still to have knowledge of the Old and New Testament really enhances your knowledge and ability to understand our culture and uh, things that are mentioned. It's and a good story, too. Yes, just it's a good, good story. Good writing, you know. Yeah. So, and that leads me into uh, foreign languages. You know, the, the languages that are uh, very influential on 
our English today, modern English. We are kind of a a mongrel language as well. <laughs> I mean, we have influences from Spanish, which I think is the biggest one, I'm sure, French, Latin, German, but also the one I'm going to deal with today are the Greeks, Greek language, although it seems kind of remote. However, it's everywhere. And, you know, the Greek myths and the stories are part of cultural literacy, too. I remember I always used to read them to my daughter while she was, while she was growing up so that I knew later on when she would come upon them, uh, she would be familiar with them and not be intimidated by all the odd names and whatever else. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of run through this, Jeff. The Greek language and Greek references are everywhere. We just don't realize that they're there. Okay? For example, uh, the term or the phrase, spill the beans. Sure. That's, you know, in other words, uh, <laughs> something that should be kept secret is is revealed, etc. That is from the ancient Greeks, because when they voted uh, for clubs and organizations, or even when they uh, uh, voted in their early democracy, you would get a black bean and a white bean given to you, and then you would vote one way or another, yes or no, or this candidate or that candidate, depending on the color of bean. Let's say yes, no. The white one was yes, the black one was no. Considering the uh, state of our um, elect- elections and uh, how much they are uh, up for grabs and uh, and uh, being hacked and all that, maybe we should return to the beans. Well, we may have to do that <laughs> if it all comes crashing down. A bunch of bean counters, I think, we'll, yeah. <laughs> ultimately. Well, anyway, the ancient Greeks, if you know, someone was impatient and wanted to know how the election was going, they could accidentally take, uh, knock the pottery, piece of pottery that was collecting all the beans off the table. It would smash on the ground, and then it would reveal if the black or the white beans, for example, were in the majority, and you'd have an idea of how the election was going. And that was called spilling the beans, and we still use that today, although it's completely lost any relevance. And uh, yeah, we don't have no idea where that came from, but that's where that comes from. The Russian hackers were knocking over the bean urn back in 2016. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I, and anyway, here's another one. Uh, for pain, one of the biggest pain medicine is morphine. No, they give it to you or some form of that in pills or they're just, that's the opioid epidemic yeah. that we're going through. But the name for that comes from the Greeks. Morpheus was the Greek god of sleep. Right. So there you go. And then we did a show on this next one. You know, when you watch a detective show and they have something that indicates a solution or helps you solve a mystery or a crime, it's called a clue. But a clue was ancient Greek and it was spelled C-L-E-W and it referred to the ball of thread that uh, Ariadne gave Theseus when he went into the labyrinth to slay the Minotaur. And uh, anyway, we uh, we don't have nearly enough minotaurs in our life these days either. <laughs> you know? Well, I see a lot of bull out there. I mean, hey, that's let's, true. That's let's true. not dismiss this too. But anyway, and then how about this? Um, for the Olympics that started in the eighth century BC, 
uh, the training and competing uh, for early Olympic uh, events was done in the nude. And the Greek word for that is gymnos. And that gives us our word gymnasium. Right. Yeah. So although you don't think of our students running around in the nude at all in the, uh, in the building, but so to speak, that's where it comes from. And the, the, here, in ancient Greece as well, only the wealthy got an education. And it was people who didn't have to work for a living, living or go out in the fields or for whatever the reason. They had to have a lot of leisure time. And the word leisure in Greek is skola, S-K-O-L-A. And that word is translated into our more modern form, school. Although kids probably don't think that school is very leisurely at mm, all. Not designed what? as such. Well, <laughs> no. I certainly did. but that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it depends you know. on how seriously you take this, Jeff. <laughs> That's right. You know, and, um, now, how about this one? In 776, at the first BC, at the first Olympiad, they only had one event, and that was a foot race. One event for the whole Olympics. And it was a foot race that went approximately 630 feet, or in our measurement, 210 yards, a sprint. So this unit of distance in ancient Greece was called a I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, S-T-A-D-E, a stady, mm. stady, from which we get our word stadium, Absolutely. a place where uh, events are, athletic events are held. So, and by the way, on the other, fl- let's flip this over. The word gyros, as in the name of the sandwich, <laughs> does not come from Greece. It was in, the sandwich was invented in New York City and was called a gyro, which is Greek, for turning, but only because the meat is cooked on a turning rotisserie. So the word is Greek, but it was invented in New York City. Kind of like pizza, you know. I was not in the mood for one of those until now. Thank you, Jerry. Well, <laughs> I appreciate that. Still early in the day. Huge yeah. fan of those things. <laughs> well, yeah. I Hard to get it. one around also here, Also, chop suey, Chinese dish. Right. Invented in the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, oh, well. <laughs> Those are just a few examples of things that are around us, common everyday words and whatever ideas, phrases. But now, Jeff, I have a story to tell. Okay? That's why you're here. Yeah, we, that's <laughs> where we're going with this. Now, the gods of ancient Greece lived on Mount Olympus, and we all kind of know that. And unlike the Judeo-Christian conception of godly behavior, they often came down from their lofty home on Mount Olympus to mix with humans and get involved in their worldly events. These gods exhibited, Jeff, an array of human appetites and desires that we would find very recognizable. For example, Zeus, the king of the gods, although married to Hera, his queen, and she was the supreme goddess of Olympus, Zeus often fell prey to lust for a mortal woman succumbed to the temptation and came down from Olympus to have an affair with the object of his desire. I guess he just couldn't help himself. (laughs) This is the story of one such occurrence and its tragic aftermath. Okay. The offspring of one of Zeus's affairs was a son who was honored 
by both his father and all the other gods of Olympus, far beyond any honors given to any of his other human children. This son was showered with riches and eventually given a kingdom of his own to rule. Some say it's uh, Lydia, or some say Phrygia, or they're quite close, which, it, which was an ancient kingdom in what is now today modern Turkey, which is really in the news quite a bit lately. So Absolutely. With the Kurds and all that. So, But anyway, the most sacred and impressive privilege that this young man was extended was that of eating at the dining table as a guest of all the gods on Mount Olympus. Now, no other human, Jeff, had ever been extended that privilege. And what's more, they allowed him to partake of the ambrosia and nectar, which are called the food of the gods, which except for him alone, as I said, no other human had ever been allowed to partake of because these foods were what gave the gods of Olympus their immortality. Now, this young man who is now a king, he was very much honored, to say the least. Now, just a little aside, how did these invitations get communicated to this young king? You know, What was their means of communication? Presumably and, not email or fax. Now, there's no post office, internet, or phone or anything, you know, no iPhone. So Hermes, or we know him pretty much as Mercury. Hermes is the Greek term. Mercury is the Roman term. This... Uh, God, God figure uh, with his wing sandals and helmet. He was the messenger of the gods and the conductor of the dead to Hades. No. And uh, FTD florists were very uh, keen on him and used him as their mascot. That's years. right. <laughs> He's right there. And yes. maybe I wonder how many people realize that Absolutely. now that you mention it. There's still an FTD florist. <laughs> Is that a 70s <laughs> reference? I think most of the kids tuning in right now are wondering what the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> oh, gee. Yeah, we're. Well, our world is exiting very rapidly, isn't it? I noticed that myself. I hardly even recognize what's going on around me. Something, you know, they have that um, the birthday every day in the newspaper. You know, today is the birthday of all these famous people. And I, as the years have gone on, I recognize fewer and fewer of the people because these are like movie stars, singers, other pop figures sure. that my daughter oh yeah I know who is this Emma you know oh yeah that's so and so I had no idea you know our parents had to deal with this very same thing and now it's our turn yeah. <laughs> our, our, our numbers up it's payback yeah, absolutely <laughs> how does it feel <laughs> well yeah no it's it's all right <laughs> because you know we can talk about red skeleton <laughs> <laughs> or red buttons, for that matter. Oh, and, and we, yeah. you know, so we have our own secret code, our own language. Milton Berle, Martha Ray, Benny Goodman, and all these people. Those people not, and the youngsters are not welcome to our I little party no here. Idea. <laughs> it is our duty here on this when, show when, to when, teach uh, them. Right? It's, uh, <laughs> when people really had talent. And all this, so. Of course, here we are talking about Hermes, and their time definitely has uh, elapsed a bit. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. Well, let's get back to Hermes. He's the messenger of the gods with his winged sandals and winged helmet and all that. He's the one that uh, conducted the dead to Hades, carried messages from the gods to humans. He was also a dream god 
And the Greeks, before they would go to bed at night, they would offer him their last food or drink before going to sleep. And, you know, people would visit Morpheus then, remember, the god of sleep. <laughs> so I guess uh, um, Hermes and Morpheus got along pretty well. So you didn't, scrape your plate, uh, didn't scrape your plate in the garbage when you're done. You uh, left it on the counter for Hermes is kind of what's going on here. Okay, so, well, <laughs> okay. before you would finish it, you'd offer it up to him and then you'd consume it. So. You wouldn't get flies in the kitchen, and, but that's fine. Like Kind of like saying grace before a meal. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, Hermes would appear at this young king's palace in Lydia at the uh, direction of the gods or of Zeus and would extend an invitation to him. And, of course, could this young man say no? I don't think so. I would highly (laughs) advise against it. (laughs) The god of the burning bush speaks. You don't put them on hold. (laughs) No. You don't send them to your voicemail. I'm sorry. I got to check my phone first. (laughs) No. (laughs) I don't think so. But Hermes would then carry this young man up to Olympus to dine and socialize with the gods. And then Zeus would just dote on his son. Okay. But, Jeff, as if that's not all. That's not all. The gods also accepted invitations from this young man, Zeus's son, for them to come attend banquets with him in his palace on earth in Lydia. Now, needless to say, this young king began to feel a degree of conceit and superiority with these ongoing honors that have been extended were extended to him. But this, his pride, wouldn't we call that uh, hubris? I think I believe we'll so. come back to this at a later <laughs> time. Hubris, your fatal flaw. But this conceit was really not his most egregious act. This was just the beginning. He outdid himself by demonstrating his arrogance toward the gods in the following way. He took that next step. He was going to do something about his conceit, and he became arrogant. Okay. He invited the gods of Olympus to a banquet in his palace called Hermes. Sound effects this week, Jerry. I like that. That's me. (laughs) Hermes comes banging on the palace door, and uh, the young man says, tell them I invite them to a banquet. And so Hermes goes up, the gods accept the invitation, and the date is set. Now, after inviting the gods to this banquet in his palace, he planned to make fools of them and to demonstrate to all mankind that they were not the all-knowing, powerful beings that they pretended to be. As Iron Man said to Loki, (laughs) not a good idea. (laughs) It's not nice to fool Mother Nature or whatever. So, yeah, he he was going to take the next few steps, see how far he could get with this. And, though, he had a plan. He had thought this all out. Quite uh, arrogant. And it was a shocking and atrocious plan to destroy the reputation of the gods forever. That would be it. In his scorn for the gods and his unbounded self-confidence, he did not think that his plans could go awry. I've got this, he thought. Okay. (laughs) 
Now, in the tradition of Greek and Shakespearean tragedy, this proved to be his, as we mentioned earlier, his tragic flaw or his hubris that brought about his downfall. Or, Jeff, would it? Let's see Mm -hmm. as we go through it. His foolishness persisted, and he proceeded with his plan. I guess he had no doubts. Now, on the day of the banquet, he and his only son, Pelops, I know, I hope I'm not massacring, it's P-E-L-O-P-S. I don't want to say Pelops, because those E's usually are short E's and when you translate it sure. into English. Yeah. So I'll say Pelops. His only son, this king's only son, Pelops, went walking in a garden with his father, father and the son, Pelops, went walking in a garden, and when his son's back was turned, he grabbed out from underneath his clothing a, a knife and stabbed his son in the back. Wow. And killed him. Then he ordered his servants to come out into the garden, take his body, take it to the kitchen, carve it up, and mix it in the food that was to be prepared for the gods that very evening at their banquet. A bit of a sociopath, this fellow. Uh, yes. <laughs> They'd make a movie about this. They did. American Psycho was. <laughs> yeah. I just want to note that, that, you know, the Greeks were the ones who give us this skill in telling blood-curdling dramas and adventures. I mean, there's so many great stories. And Theseus and the Minotaur, Perseus yeah. and Bellerophon. Medusa. Yeah, all you horror film fans, which I count myself oh, yeah. as one, you can point to the Greeks for sort of the roots of all those stories that you enjoy. You know, I'm sure they appeared in other cultures, but in the Western, you know, in the Western tradition, I think the Greeks really were the first to really do this in a big, so such a dramatic way. And I think a lot of adult literature, excuse me, young adult literature is really a retelling of of a lot of these Greek myths. I mean... Well, Percy Jackson is yeah, huge. Percy I mean, Jackson. Uh, and and, and you know, I think the full title is Percy Jackson and the Olympians. So, uh, yeah. yeah, he uh, he invokes a lot of uh, the Greek gods and they become plot devices. <laughs> so, Oh, yeah, and what's the one about the witch, the school for the witches? I should... Oh, uh, Harry Potter. And all yeah, that. the yeah, Harry Potter. Course, yeah. You know, there's a lot of references in there to ancient things yeah. in Greek. So, anyway. Now... Back to this young king. His hatred must have been out of control, Jeff, you think, for him to sacrifice his son for this very purpose. You know, there must be more to the story that I, I couldn't track it down. You know, what was his reason? <laughs> he could, could you have done it? Not that, you know, all life is important. So, Or was but, he just, just you know, completely mad? I mean, you know, I mean yeah. that's the thing. You don't always have to have a reason, you know. <laughs> Looking for logic where there is none. Right. Kind of applicable to today's Very environment. Much, but, you know, we're, not, we're not operating on a uh, plane of logic anymore. We're just no. being manipulated and lied to and whatever. It's hard to find truth, in other words. So, anyway. Absolutely. Now, he sacrificed his son for this purpose and to bring on the gods the horror after the fact that they had been cannibals. There was that taboo word, cannibals. And uh, the, the Donner Party comes to mind. Remember that in American history <laughs> oh, in 1848-something? I can't remember. But anyway. But the gods were no fools, Jeff, of course. 
As the food was brought in on platters and placed on the table, one of the gods, and some say it was Zeus himself, others say that it was another, but that's beside the point. Uh, this god, whoever it was, alerted the others that something was amiss. Hold it, stop. And they were all put on their guard. And after looking at the food and after questioning their host, you can only imagine after getting the evil eye and you know being interrogated by the gods, he broke down and he confessed. He broke. And Zeus turned on this young king, his son, in outrage. Zeus declared that his son should be punished in such a severe way that never again, Jeff, would any human being ever dare insult them. Trying to dissuade uh, humans from feeding other humans to them at parties. Is what yeah, you're saying. Kind of, he, they're kind of like Old Testament gods <laughs> yeah, there. You know, really. Wrathful, vengeful uh, gods, yes. Yeah, so they put their heads together and discussed it and devised a punishment that was both clever and extreme. And that's what I'm going to get into. Uh, it was one of those things, you know, where the, the punishment fits the crime very carefully <laughs> yes. and in a very detailed way. And so I'm just thinking about this young king what caused him to go ahead and do this you know was he tempted by the devil he must have been and so is it time for a break here yet jeff how did you know oh i, I saw you getting a little <laughs> yeah, I got over look. there so i led right into that so let's if he was being tempted let's just go with our concept of evil the devil so let's listen to the stones sing one of their classic rock and roll songs sympathy for the devil be back in the few minutes after we sell some things The czar and the ministers, apparently, is this mysterious person they're singing about. <laughs> He's a busy guy. Absolutely. Hey, we should do a programming note while we're here. Uh, if you're listening to us on the radio right now, you're probably listening on Wednesday. Wednesday at 7 p.m. We're shuffling the schedule a little bit. Oh, well. Playing the devil's advocate here. <laughs> My thousands of listeners will please note that change. Port that over into your phone. Absolutely. Perfect. So we're going to give that a try and see... Uh, 
we spike your listenership or or reduce it, and then yeah, we'll put well, you back on Sunday. We'll see. You got to move things around. We've been there for a long time. I mean, so, freshen up the you know, freshen up the curtains here at the studio. And Jeff, you want to put in a plug for your uh, your new show? Oh well, geez, now I'm all sure. Sheepish. All right, fine. So uh, if you're listening and it's Sunday night and uh, <laughs> you're wondering, you're looking for me, looking you're for Jerry, you're going to find me. So not better, just different, just different. It's a show called Front Row Center, and we're going to do it uh, our uh, main movie review, film review, film criticism show, hour long, seven to eight p.m. Central. Sunday nights, and uh, I have a cohort, a co-host that's uh, doing that with me, and uh, for the first week, we're taking in a new one on Netflix and a new one in the theater. We're going to cover the new Eddie Murphy film, Dolomite is My Name, a little historical piece, actually. You might be interested in that one. Uh, Very interesting. I watched it, actually, a few nights ago, and it was uh, very funny, and Eddie Murphy is... uh, uh, for all intents and purposes, back. I mean, he's very wonderful in this thing. Um, I could even see some sort of award for his work in this thing. That was that good. And um, then we're going to take in this weekend the new Terminator movie, which I'm a little scared about because they keep trying with that franchise and they just can't quite uh, close the deal. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad to see Eddie Murphy back because he's got so much talent. Remarkably talented. Yeah, he was so just it's... kind of acting to eat for a while, I think. And mm-hmm. uh no good can come of that, ultimately, except for you know, paychecks, but uh, <laughs> we suffer. <laughs> well, let's go and uh, see that movie. So it is streaming things. on Netflix. Yeah. I believe there are some theatrical options uh, out there, but primarily on Netflix. And um, the, It's about the, a guy named Rudy Ray Moore, an actual uh, stand-up comic and actor from the 70s who uh, was very much an underground success and... Um, Filled the theaters with his uh, movie uh, Dolomite, The Human Tornado, and The Avenging Disco Godfather. That's quite a title. <laughs> it is quite the title. Now you're saying that Eddie Murphy movie, the Dolomite movie, yeah. is on Netflix. It is only, uh, by and large, only on Netflix. I think a few in the larger okay. metropolitan areas you can catch it in. Uh, in well, I'm going to go home and give that a look. You, I think you'll enjoy it immensely. Well, it's thank a you. lot of fun. A little raw, a little naughty, but uh, you know that's good. Well, nothing like that ever. Hurt the box office. Today. Not a bit. No. Not at all. <laughs> Quite the opposite. <laughs> We're drawn to that. But, uh, you know, back to Sympathy for the Devil yes. and what made this young king devise this plan to embarrass the gods and kill his son and etc. So he gets caught and they make up the punishment. Okay. Now, here's what it was. I'm ready. Yeah. <laughs> this young king was forever... And that means for eternity. <laughs> yes. When you go to hell, you know it's it's forever. It's not a, uh, a pit stop or a, a way station or a uh, no. You're there. <laughs> James Joyce uh, described in uh, Portrait of the Artist as a young man uh, what eternity was. His description: he, He's sitting when he was in school. He's describing his school days, and the priest is giving the the boys a lecture. He says. What uh, eternity in hell is like, please imagine, if you will, uh, being in hell and suffering the the worst pain you could ever, the suffering so deep and lasting. And every thousand or ten thousand years, a, uh, a bird comes and takes this. Oh, no, I messed that up. It's all right. <laughs> but, no, you're sitting on top of a... Uh, 
pile of sand that's a, just a thousand feet high. It's immense. And every thousand years, a little bird comes and takes one grain of sand away. <laughs> wow. After that whole pile of sand is gone, only one moment of eternity has passed. He was just trying to get them to wow. imagine what was that like to be there forever. So, it's, you know, a little fear. You better get to the post office and change your mailing address if you're in hell. That's, that's right. <laughs> that's where your mail's coming. But that's this young king, that's where he was. He was forever placed in a pool of water in the deepest realm of Hades, which is their word for their underworld. Kind of akin to the innermost circle of hell in Dante's Inferno. Sure. That was reserved for traitors and the worst of criminals. I remember when um, yeah. uh, Milk was making a big comeback and they were had a big marketing push and they uh, they had a commercial with a guy who had passed obviously passed away and uh, finds this gigantic pile of chocolate chip cookies. And he says, oh, I'm, I made it. I'm where I want to be. <laughs> Unfortunately, there was no milk anyway. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so he clearly was in yeah. the other place. He said, like, wait a minute, where am cruel. I? <laughs> that's yeah. cruel. It's like the guy who, you know, he was in the basement of the library and the nuclear bomb went off. Sure. And he was th- thought, I'm fine. I'm in the library. But then his glasses fell off and he couldn't read anymore. That's Burgess, an old Twilight. Uh, Burgess Meredith, old Twilight Zone. Absolutely. Yeah. Returning to movie theaters. They're doing a 60th. It's the 60th year of uh, the Twilight Zone. And they're uh, putting in movie theaters on the big screen. I think they're putting together like four of the best episodes, uh, according to the gatekeepers, of course, of course, and showing them on the big screen. So that's out there. Uh, I believe that's happening soon, like this week or next week. Okay. Or well, worth a look. Thanks for the tip there, Jeff. Always, always. But here we have to get back to this young king sitting in the innermost, deepest realm of hell, Hades. But it was here when he finally got there that the gods got creative and made the punishment closely fit the crime. And here's what they did, Jeff. While standing up to his knees in a pool of water in this deepest realm of Hades, he was given the most deep and severe thirst that just parched his throat (laughs) and made his entire body yearn for a drink of the water in which he was standing. But whenever he bent down with his hands to scoop up the water and bring it to his lips, the water would begin receding lower and lower, always just out of reach of his fingertips, until it disappeared altogether and all that his fingertips managed to touch was the dry dirt and dust now beneath his feet. Cruel bastards, those lots, yeah. <laughs> aren't they? <laughs> and when he returned to a standing position, the water would slowly rise from the ground, but again, always remain just below his fingertips. And no matter how many times he tried to reach the water, he was so close but the results were always the same, Jeff. And to that great thirst then was added extreme frustration to his punishment. And in this way, he was made to suffer the torment of his thirst forever. Not just for 10 to 20. Like turning forever. me loose this morning and, uh, you know, I've got my... Uh Got my coffee pot and my cup and my grounds, and I'm all set to go, but there are no filters anywhere. 
We are <laughs> anywhere in oh Cedar Rapids. Can you how imagine? Can you, how can you even live? It's my, my version guys of that. Were such wimps, all of us. No, include myself definitely in that. But you know, but Jeff, this was not all. Oh, good. It goes on. <laughs> sure. Yeah, the gods were not done with this guy yet. Now remember that the gods had been invited to the king's table for a banquet of fine food, but had been tricked. So, while the young king, probably stripped of his title though at this point, while he stood in that water in Hades, he was also given the deepest and most acute sensation of hunger that an individual could possibly feel. Imagine that, Jeff. When are you at your hungriest? Just that that stomach needs something. Absolutely. You know that. Yeah. So, just above his head, then, <laughs> above his head, they put the boughs of a fruit tree that dangled its ripe and succulent treats <laughs> right before his eyes. But when he reached for the fruit in order to pick it and satisfy his ravenous appetite, what do you think happened, Jeff? I imagine either the branch would, uh, since I, I see their MO here and what they're doing, the branch would probably uh, uh, yank upwards it. and well, uh, be out of reach. Whenever his hands approached the fruit, a wind arose. Of course. And bent the boughs of the tree so the fruit was always just out of reach of his fingertips. And when his hands were withdrawn, the wind would recede. And again, Jeff, the fruit hung above him within easy reach. But again, so far away. And this went on forever. And no matter how many times he tried to reach out and grab the fruit or food before him to quench that uh, appetite, the results were always the same. And Jeff... There he remains. As right? we as we speak until now, you know that was. We should have had him on and and forever. <laughs> Today he was available for interviews. <laughs> so how's it going out no, there? I think he, we'd have to go there. I'll only well, go so know. far we've, for the show, Jerry. We've, we've been to hell, uh, you know. Uh, hey, you could take this equipment and just, let's so, load it up. We go to Summer Sounds. And, I'd rather do a phone interview, actually. Yeah, I'd rather just you know. You know. <laughs> I'll, my people will contact his people. Yes, I'm sure okay. he has. An, I'm, I hope he has an agent. <laughs> now, that's where he remains until now and forever. His throat always parched while standing in a pool of water, and his deep hunger multiplied innumerable times by seeing a feast always swaying before his eyes. Thus was the punishment of the Greek gods of Olympus toward this young king. So, kids, if you're tempted to uh, thumb the gods in the eye, perhaps rethink it. What now, the there's more to the story, though. Oh, of course. We're not <laughs> over yet. I mean, this is something. In the aftermath of this punishment being set in motion, though, Jeff, the gods restored the king's murdered son, Pelops, back to life. So there's something of a, a nice ending ah, I'm here. I'm glad they found, uh, yeah, when they weren't busy torturing this person. for Yeah, yeah. they just didn't let the injustice stand. After all, this young man had been an innocent victim of his father's deceitfulness. Now, when they gathered up his flesh and bones to reassemble him, 
they discovered he was missing one of his shoulders. Ah. So they fashioned one out of ivory, and this he carried with him for the rest of his life. And the reason for this is that it seems that one of the goddesses did not hear the warning that Zeus uttered about the uh, adulteration of the food, let's say. Uh And had not heard the uh, warning in time to prevent her from taking a bite of the loathsome meal. Mm. So Pelops led a happy and constructive life as king of Lydia. He became the king. Performing, performing, you know, a lot of good deeds and heroic acts. But he never saw his father again, nor did anyone else, because <laughs> he's busy down in right. the deepest realm of Hades. Now, Jeff, this is a story of someone who is punished by having something they so desperately desire placed right in front of them. Right. Okay. So close that they can almost taste it and feel it. Indeed. It becomes something of a tease. <laughs> a torment. Yes. <laughs> a torture. Okay. I, I, I feel like I know a little bit about this, but yeah. go right ahead. <laughs> now, now, I haven't told you the name of this ancient Greek king who was the faithless and traitorous son of Zeus, and his name was Tantalus. Aha. And it is from his name that we get the word in our English language that means to tempt, to beguile, to lure seductively, kind of to excite. Indeed. And to fascinate. <laughs> kind of like that candy cake thing. Remember when we were doing Baby Ruth? I do remember that, the yes. The precursor of the uh, Baby Ruth candy bar was the candy cake thing. And we said, well, that sounds really good. Uh, we were a little uh, saddened that it didn't still exist. Yeah, don't bring back the candy cake. Absolutely. But anyway, that's so, again, tempt, beguile. To lure, excite, fascinate, tantalize. There's the there, magic word. That's the word. Tantalize. <laughs> the word of the day, now, kids. Here's a detour. I this came up for me when I was doing this. Uh, the word fascinate. Yes. Jeff, has anyone ever called you fascinating, Jeff? <laughs> Other than all of our listeners, of course. All of <laughs> well, your listeners. Here. I'm striving to be fascinating, let's put it that way. Has I don't think I've quite you? achieved it yet, but uh, it's a, it's a journey. Well, that's this is another one of these things that this is a word that people use. Fa- you know, I yeah. find that movie fascinating, or this piece of artwork is fascinating. Mr. Spock uh, would uh, spill that out frequently. It was that was sort of his understatement word. Like they were surrounded by Klingons, and their um, their phasers were set to kill. And Spock would raise an eyebrow and say, "Fascinating." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is well, kind of like kind of like here on history spaces which is fascinating <laughs> absolutely we, yeah and jeff will be fascinating on his movie review show so I tune him in i hope so <laughs> now, now fascinating um how about in the sense that you cannot take your eyes off of something Yes, like fascinating. You just said like a movie or artwork or a sunset or any beautiful image or what you consider a beautiful person. Candy cake. Yeah, candy cake, (laughs) a a beautiful candy bar. Now, that's a word we use regularly. It's it's really all over. Comes up quite a bit. But we aren't aware of its off-color and pornographic origins. (laughs) (laughs) I'm here to burst your bubble. So glad you stopped by, Jerry. You'll you'll never want to be called fascinating again after I'm done with you here. Now, we have to go to ancient Rome and the Latin language for this one. 
They're the ones who spoil this now. Uh, a big thing in ancient Rome was tag. We'd call it tagging, you know, just right. tagging on walls and all this. Sure. And it was this way that people made known their political views sometimes during a political campaign, as well as just vandalizing walls and buildings and, you know, trying to insult people or neighbors or whatever. But this this was quite a quite a common thing. Now, I don't want to offend ears here, but... Here comes. Pictures of penises would appear as outrageous comments, insults, or images sure. on the walls of uh, ancient Rome, on the in the streets. It's a reliable, kind of like, reliable standby. Yeah, you know. kind of <laughs> like street art. When in doubt. Uh, yeah. <laughs> now, the uh, word, Latin word, fascinum, F-A-S-C-I-N-U-M, fascinum means... Erect penis. Hello. And we from that, we get our word fascinating. Aha. Uh-huh. So when you use that word, think about how it has become divorced <laughs> from its origins. Because, yeah, you can't. Or don't. Take, you, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you know, you can't take your eyes off of something, you know, because you're fascinating. Well, it's really referring to a very specific part of human anatomy. <laughs> you okay. know, there's that wonderful scene, and this reminds me of in uh, Monty Python's The Life of Brian, which is a great film one of the has, has more to say about uh human the human condition than most serious films you know and um the the uh people's front of judea uh which brian joins because he wants to uh strike out against the romans uh, they send him on a task. They send him with some red paint, and they tell him to uh, paint all over, uh, basically in in uh, Latin, of course. Uh, Romans go home. Well, he's doing it. He's painting away, a, you know, a modest version of that. And uh, Centurion grabs him from behind, John Cleese actually, and says, "You know, what are you doing? You know." And he says, "I'm I'm saying, you know, I'm painting, I'm painting, you know." And he says. Uh, what does that say? He says, Romans go home. He says, really? He says, you didn't conjugate the verb here. He says, Romani, you know, whatever, however. So he says, I want you to do it 5,000 times on this wall the right way, <laughs> you know. And you can't leave until you can. If you don't, I'll, uh, you know, slay you or whatever. So, you know, Brian yeah. paints it all over the wall. And then, to, you know, it takes him all night. And the entire wall is just coated with Romans go. <laughs> with with the proper conjugation, of course, and, and then two Roman centurions walk up and see what he's doing. <laughs> they chase him because they're gonna kill him because of what he wrote all over the walls. So, it's a wonderful movie. <laughs> I know. I have to go there. Isn't in this one of the big? Uh, you know, people used to complain about Winnie the Pooh because he'd misspell words or you know those books. Oh right, misspell of course. All that we d- dealt with that in, a, in an episode. <laughs> but then you know, English teachers too object to uh, you know. Our our president when he tweets because he's not careful enough about his spelling or his usage or his grammar. Oh, he not just, a bit. It's or uh, let alone truthfulness. But yeah. you no, know, it's <laughs> so Trump ease. We call it. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's just the downgrading of our language, though, over time because of um, media and people just spit things out without talking. And I know even if I do an email or a WhatsApp a message, I always. I'm very careful about speaking in yeah. complete sentences and making sense and being clear. So. You're, you're one of the few. 
you know, you're you're kind of fighting a losing battle over there. I'm sorry. I read Jane Austen. I read Edith Wharton, and uh, I can't. Both of which have been amazing tweeters and uh, Facebook users. I'm sure. <laughs> All those uh, they wouldn't be limited by 144 words or no, whatever that would limitation find that Very is. distasteful. I'm sure you know, yes. those, those 19th century English novels were quite uh, quite long. But anyway, back to this word fascinating. And uh, the pornographic images on the walls of Roman streets, etc. So, maybe I've spoiled the use of it in your vocabulary entirely. Well, we hope so. Next time time someone says you're fascinating or you use the word, think about this. Now, to wrap up here, I just want to... So, we've mentioned three words that express kind of a progression. First, there's fascination. Indeed. Can't take your eyes off something. You're kind of drawn to it. It, uh, Yeah. Okay. And then there's tantalization. Yes. Tantalus, <laughs> the story we've just told. And you're tantalized, you know, just kind of, you're lured and, okay. And then there's outright full-blown temptation. Uh-oh. Yeah, like, like what you feel, Jeff, when you go walking past... Uh, Boulangerie du Monde here in Cedarburg. Oh, certainly, certainly. Or how about Amy's? Absolutely. Or maybe the chocolate factory. Oh, uh, the roast, some ice cream. The roastery pulls me in. Oh yes, and they're homemade, <laughs> homemade things. <sighs> Go try. There you have four examples of tantalization. <laughs> Boulangerie, Amy's, chocolate factory, oh. and. The roastery. Straight up temptation. There we go. <laughs> and in honor of the word fascination, let's end with a song. And it's a nice, low-tempo, easy-tempo song by Nat King Cole. Done. He did it in the 50s. It was called It Was Fascination. Jeff, we'll see you next week. Next week it is. Remember, everybody, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. is the new place to find History Spaces with our um, with our host. Thank you. Okay. See you, everyone. And it might have ended right then at the start. Just a passing glance Just a brief romance And I might have gone my way Empty-hearted It was fascination I know Seeing you along with the moon Above, then I touch your hand, and next moment I kiss you. Fascination turns.